Welcome to a special edition of the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman, the original podcast for next gen and Kidman leaders. On this episode, Jim is sharing one of the club classics. Now, here's Jim. So um, this month, I uh, asked Yancey to join me because we're going to be talking about something that I think Yancey knows a lot about, and that's the pursuit of excellence. Yancey, uh, you know, I have known you your whole life, and uh, we have been buddies since the day you were born. And I won't. Those are true statements. I won't go into the story of how we became buddies. You might as well tell everyone. You think I should? Sure. On the day Yancey was born, I put her on my shoulder, and she went, and we laid down and took a nap together, and uh, that became her shoulder, and we became buddies. And uh, we made her sister have the other shoulder. And that's why we only had two kids, because I only had two shoulders. And so that was the story of how they became my buddies. But, uh, you know, Yancey, I've been watching a long time. And uh, the thing I love about your music, it seems like every album that you make gets better and better and better. And uh, that's something that somehow uh, your mom and I have been able to instill in you is that pursuit of excellence. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just do their best, but uh, doing your best isn't good enough, is it? No, because a lot of people's best should be not shared in a public place. (laughs) That's the truth. Well, you know, there's a difference between being good and being excellent. And uh, I don't know why we've got this whole concept in America that if you just do what's expected, then uh, all of a sudden people think they need more money or need promotion. And to me, if you just do what's expected, if you just do your job well, you get to keep your job. Yes, and I have something to say about that. Tell us, tell us. Um, A number of years ago, I got a little part-time job at my local pottery barn store because... The Williams-Sonoma Corporation gives a nice discount. And I went into that job, and it was a total holiday season, a little something. But inside, I told myself, I don't need a career at Pottery Barn, but I want them to want me to have a career at Pottery Barn. And they have this little employee of the month, Catch the Spirit winner, actually, And to be honest with you, most people that win that award every month are managers or, you know, people that are living at their their local pottery barn where they work. And that first Christmas that I worked, I just I did what was told. I followed through. I just was an overall good employee. And I got the Catch the Spirit Award winner that December. And I was so excited because I felt like I'd accomplished my goal, which was I don't need this to turn into a lifelong occupation, but I want to do a good enough job where it would be an option too. And I think when people just follow through and do what is told and they, they give it their very best and they do their very best and they, it makes them stand out from the pack. It's doing what you're told, but also uh, doing more than what you're told and looking for ways to just serve people better and uh, doing an excellent job and then some is what gets the catch the spirit. That's award. right. That's it. And, uh, you know, I don't know why people just want to show up and, and just barely get by uh, rather than just do what is 
is best. And, you know, uh, everybody says they want excellence, but a lot of people don't understand what excellence is. And uh, so looking it up in the dictionary, you see that it's superior. It's not just getting by, it's superior. Very good of its kind, first class, an excellent or valuable quality. And so this is what we're after. And uh, I thought that it would be good. One of the things that I love to talk about is uh, a man in the Bible who's actually, his name meant excellence. And you know what? You, you can't have a name of excellence and not be excellent. I mean, it's kind of like me being skinny and being named wide man. I mean, you know, that, that would just kind of defeat the whole purpose. But anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about Jethro, the priest of Midian. And uh, I thought, Yancey, that we would just kind of look here in the Bible and just every time Jethro was mentioned, what can we learn about a man named excellence? And so I thought that would be kind of cool. So uh, the first thing that we're going to look at is Exodus chapter 2 and begin with verse 16. And uh, it says, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters. Man, I can't imagine his clothing bill. Uh, But he had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs uh, to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to refuel uh, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned early? And they answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, and he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And so uh, then we see, Where is he? He asked uh, his daughters, Why did you leave him, invite him uh, to have something to eat. So Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughters uh, and ended up giving one of his daughters to Moses in marriage. And so when we look at these verses in Exodus chapter 2, we see that first of all, Jethro commanded his family well. Uh, He gave his kids something to do and they obeyed him. Uh, He taught his daughters the importance of work. Uh, These weren't girls that were just goofing off or just wanting to have fun. They were girls who were actually working and uh, doing something. He was not lazy because we see that uh, he actually had a couple of sources of income. He was a priest, but he also had these flocks. Uh, We also see from these verses that he was given to hospitality. He couldn't understand why when Moses had helped his daughters that the daughters hadn't said, hey, uh, Uh, why don't you come home and we'll feed you? Uh, That was the kind of guy he was. He was generous. He was giving. And he was thankful and grateful. He was so thankful and grateful, uh, he let Moses marry one of his daughters. And uh, you know what? That uh, was a grateful guy. When we look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 18, we see some more about uh, him. And it says that, Uh, Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men uh, who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. Now, when we look at these verses, we see that, um, you know, 
Jethro recognized God's plan for Moses, and he encouraged him to follow God. It takes an excellent guy to encourage the things of God. Some folks are just really selfish. But it says here that Jethro wished him well. And rather than, you know, when he had all daughters, uh, I know that he was kind of sad that uh, another guy that could do uh, lift heavy things and uh, help him around with all the flocks and stuff was leaving, but he was not a selfish person. Then we find out in Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, some things about Jethro that's probably uh, a portion of Scripture that says, Now Jethro, the, the priest of Midian and the father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And as we read about all these different things, uh, we see that Moses had sent away his wife, uh, his father-in-law Jethro had received her and the two sons. One son was uh, it gives the names of his sons, and it goes on, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert. And uh, as we read these stories, we see that, that uh, first of all, Jethro was a good father and a good grandfather. He loved his grandkids. He loved his daughter. Uh, he was also a great father-in-law. Uh, he wouldn't let his daughter stay with him, although uh, she had kind of been sent home. There was some problems that was going on in the family, uh, but he brought her back to her husband. Uh, and we also see from this story in this passage that Moses had great respect and honor for Jethro. Now, in Exodus chapter 18, verses 8 through 12, this is the part when uh, we know that uh, Jethro came in, and after him and Moses had greeted each other, uh, Moses began to tell him all what the Lord had done. And uh, the Bible says that uh, he, was, uh, he listened to Moses. Uh, I know he had an opinion about what was going on, but before he just showed up and gave his opinion, he listened. Uh, it also says that he delighted in the goodness of God. He was quick to praise God. He was a worshiper. People of excellence are quick to give God glory and to worship God. He also offered sacrifices and gave an offering, which meant uh, he was a generous fellow. He was a giver. And all of these are uh, characteristics of excellence. And if we will put these same things in our life, uh, I think we can be excellent just like Mr. Excellence. Now, in uh, Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27, it says that uh, Jethro didn't take Moses' word for things. He didn't take his daughter's word. He didn't take Moses' word. He watched for himself. He was a person that was willing to use uh, his management by walking around degree. He used a little uh, MBWA. He was uh, uh, able to use some observation. He cared enough about Moses to confront him. We know that, uh, again, uh, folks we care about, we confront the things that need change in their life. He also, uh, after he uh, watched and saw what was going on, he offered a solution to help Moses to come up with a plan. And uh, he told Moses, listen, you need to do the hard stuff. In other words, you need to do what only you can do. But he also told him to teach and model to others how to live 
uh, what you want them to do. And so he said, you're going to have to involve others and train them. Now, he said to place them by their abilities. It wasn't enough to find people that were just willing. It wasn't enough to find people that uh, were just faithful. Uh, He said to look at their abilities. He said to have high standards for leadership, including godly character. Uh, Then he started talking about judges or middle managers to let people help you. And he started pushing authority down uh, to lighten uh, Moses's load. And anytime uh, excellence shows up, there is stress management. Where there's excellence, there's going to be lower levels of stress. And so this plan that Mr. Excellence came up with It was good for Moses. It was good for others, uh, those that he led. It was good for his family and home life. And the smart thing about all this is uh, people of excellence, people listen to him. And Moses listened to Jethro. He obeyed him. And then we see that Mr. Excellence stayed to offer his help and to encourage. And after he saw that Moses didn't need him anymore, he left and completed what he came to do. He went back to his business, and we never hear him mentioned in the Bible. So there's a lot of things that we can learn from Mr. Excellence. And my uh, goal and my desire for each one of you that are in the club uh, is that we will make excellence a way of thinking. I love this verse that's found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God cares how we think. And it's important that we start thinking about excellence. And to do that, we have to keep updating our definition of excellence. Uh, Yancey, has your definition of excellence, as uh, I think about your music career and I think about Jesus made me joy or Jesus gave me joy cassette done by Yancey Weidman, um, uh, has, has music changed uh, since back in the day? Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything in life changes and, you know, everything, whether you're talking about clothes or hairstyles or, you know, the fonts that we use on our computers, what restaurants we eat at, uh, change is inevitable here in life. And especially when you're raising the bar and you're constantly um, improving, you know, that means you're stepping forward and you're continuing on. And so as that bar raises your own personal definition of excellence, your church's definition of excellence, the people that you minister to, um, even the age groups that you minister to, I think, um, you know, there's certain areas where that bar keeps getting raised and pushed forward. And so it's important that you... um, definitely change and continue to improve. You know, I remember back in the day when puppets were brand new to children's ministry. And, uh, you know, that was kind of before Sesame Street. And uh, now we've had a whole generation of kids that have grown up watching Sesame Street for decades. And, um, you know, we, we've been around. And what I see now is we have people in the church today that actually know the difference between good puppetry and bad puppetry. And uh, one of the reasons why a lot of puppetry isn't accepted in the church is because it's bad. 
and people know the difference now. I think some of it was bad back then. They just didn't know what excellence is all about. And you have to keep updating that definition of excellence on a regular basis. Also, if you're going to make excellence a way of thinking, it's more than what is required. There's a story in Matthew chapter 5, verses 41 through 48. And Jesus said that if someone uh, requires you to walk one mile, uh, then you need to walk two. Somebody asks, uh, you know, for a scarf, give them your coat as well. And, uh, you know, it's important that we go beyond what's expected, uh, giving more than you have to. I have found that when you show up and give uh, your best and then some, that's where reward comes from. Also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30, 31, uh, it's kind of the, the last verse before the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I love it because it kind of sums up chapter 12 by all that stuff is great, but now let me teach you a most excellent way. And then it goes into talking all about love. And, uh, you know, if you're going to make excellence a way of thinking, you need to be motivated by love. This is what I found. Love always works. Serving others out of love uh, is what makes a difference. And uh, Yancey, there was something that your dad told you, uh, talking about me, when you first started in in music. And what, yeah. what did I tell you? You told me that I needed to love people. That's right. Love the people you sing for. It's not enough to just go and do music. It's not enough to just be another good voice or another good uh, uh, musician. Uh, people... People need to be loved, and that's what the ministry is all about. It's an action that overflows from your heart. And I know a lot of people that have great light shows and all kind of fancy auditoriums and all kind of wonderful things that they do in their churches, and they have a lot of bells and whistles and things like that. But the Bible tells us that if we have love or we don't have love, uh, that it's just noisemakers. It's just clanging cymbals and banging uh, noise and and again, uh, if we're going to uh, make excellence a way of thinking, we keep updating our definitions. We realize that it's doing more than what's in qu- uh, required, and we do everything that we do out of love. Now, I believe with all my heart that excellence must become a way of life. And, uh, you know, you achieve excellence by meeting needs around you. And so I put some things here in your notes, uh, club folks, to help you uh, to see how do you meet needs around you. Well, first of all, look for ways to save time of others. Anytime that you can save someone's time, uh, you're doing them a favor, Uh, whether it's the ease of finding classes, things like putting out greeters or maps or signs on the doors that hang from the ceiling so that you can um, see uh, where the classrooms are, even when it's full of people. Uh, Visitor welcome centers so visitors can get special attention uh, or things like speeding or ease of check-in. Every week I watch our check-in process and look for ways to make it better. Uh, and I found that that uh, saving time of others um, causes people to think better about our ministry. Uh, reduce lines. And if you have any lines, 
do something about it. Uh, you know, there's just time. Sometimes you have to have lines, but people aren't going to dread it if you do something about it. And I learned that from Disney. Use dividers or bring lines out in the hallways or, or, or put them into classrooms. Use an advanced person like Wendy's does when the line gets backed up where they go out and go ahead and get information and do paperwork out uh, in the hallway. Another thing that I've learned uh, going to Disney is entertain whenever you can. Uh, any place where you can stick monitors or pictures of kids or families or create an experience, uh, kind of like the Star Tours. One of my favorite places uh, is MGM. Uh, I think they changed the name, they didn't did they? They changed the name. Yeah, I still, I still call it MGM. It's the I do Disney too. Studio. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, I love Star Tours. And uh, the, one of the things I love is from the minute you get in the line or even before you even get in the line, there's usually somebody in a costume walking around. And from the very beginning of that experience till you get through, you're constantly being entertained while you wait. And it actually makes waiting part of the ride. And uh, that's something we can also do at church. Uh, speed up the pickup process. Uh, anytime that you can make pickup go faster, that's going to make parents happier. Signs in the parking lot to educate people where classes are located also helps them know where to park. Look for ways to communicate without meetings. Everybody appreciates uh, when you cut out meetings. Uh, do things when people are already at church. Uh, they appreciate that. You're saving the time of others. And when you can, keep nights free. I've always liked to do things around lunch or breakfast and keep family time uh, for family time, I think it's amazing when a family church allows for family time. So if you're going to meet the needs around you, you need to look for ways to save time of others. And also quality must become the rule, not the exception. Uh, give folks the best product you can possibly deliver. Uh, I think cleanliness is one of those things, especially if you're going to touch moms. Uh, Touching moms and visitors. Yeah. I've been in some churches before that I I don't think that anyone cleaned the church. And the the biggest thing for me was I looked around and I thought, man, I can't imagine showing up here for the very first time and looking around and seeing this much dirt on the floor or the bathrooms this not taken care of and thinking, oh, this would be a great place to come every week. So it's putting your best foot forward. Cleanliness is important. Um, also service is the new difference maker. You know, it used to be, uh, if you had good service, you stuck out. Now, if you have any service whatsoever, uh, and I believe that you only get one first impression, especially to a visitor. So how you treat them and what you offer and how you serve people. I don't know anyone that doesn't like to be served. And, uh, the more you serve people, the more they like it. Uh, you also meet the needs around you uh, when uh, you offer high touch along with your high tech. Now, everybody loves high tech, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'd be the first to tell you I am a gadget guy. I got a new computer the other day, mm. and um, I'm pretty excited about it. Got the new operating system. I'm all snow leopard, and um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm a gadget guy. But when you have a lot of gadgets and you're 
demanding high tech, it calls for high touch. And so some of the ways I put in your notes just to help you to stand out is to answer your phone. One of my uh, least favorite things is when someone gives me a phone number and tells me their first name, but don't tell me their last name and to call them back. And I call them back and on their machine, you have to know their last name to get the extension. They didn't leave me the extension. Yes. If, if you know that your company does not have a human being answer the phone and you need an extension number to get to you, then by all means, please share that extension number with people. It's very frustrating. It is frustrating. And so answer your phone and give the needed information to call you back. Here's a radical concept. Call people back. If you can't call them back, have someone else call them back and tell them why you can't call them back and when you'll call them back. Uh, Write personal notes on form letters. If you have to use form letters, at least write some personal notes on them. Send thank you notes and letters to people. I still found that putting a stamp on a handwritten thank you note makes a difference, especially to volunteers. And Yancey, that's something that you're really good at. Um, I do. I like thank you notes. I like paper goods. She does. Her favorite place to go is um, kind of those paper stores. Yes, there's a wonderful store called Paper Source. And you like that. It's really good. Yancey's one of those kids that even writes us thank you notes for her Christmas presents. Always has and uh, always will. So she's a good one. But again, walk around greeting and just talking to people. It's amazing. how many people um, don't think that folks on staff like them? And it's all about people. And all you, you can make a huge impression and offer high touch just by talking to people. Uh, use name tags and call folks by their first name if you need to. We used to, uh, when I was at uh, the other church that I worked at in Tulsa, we used to color code um our first time visitors in a different ink and, and, uh, no one really knew that. And so I would go up and say, Oh, Hey Johnny, we're so glad that you and your family are visiting. And they'd just look and say, how in the world does he know that we're visiting is because their name was written in a different color ink, uh, having greeters everywhere like Walmart. I love the little people at Walmart. Uh, I find myself talking to them when I come in and I'm making friends. The with nice them. older ladies and gentlemen there yes, at Walmart. Yes. yes. Maybe I can get a job doing that someday. Maybe you would be very good at that well, job. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, another another little pottery barn tidbit that I, I learned. This was this was a hospitality technique I learned at the pottery barn. When you're someone comes in in like a wheelchair, or as the case of smaller children who are a lot shorter than you, when you greet them or go to talk to them, squat down and get where you can be face-to-face and make eye contact with them. So That's also uh, your Uncle Randy Christensen taught us that with really? clowning and costuming Is, well. is that in Lights, Camera, Clowning? That's in Lights, Camera, Clowning Wow! Uh, when you were a child. Amazing. You starred in that video. But yes, it's 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 a good little technique. Yes, it really is. So the fourth thing in meeting the needs of folks is realize any chance you get to customize something, uh, customiza- uh, customization 
is always desired. Uh, people just don't want out-of-the-box stuff. Make it special. Different is good. Outstanding is good, but standing out is better. And uh, again, I, I look at Wendy's. Here was a burger place that came into existence after McDonald's and Burger King already had a great share of the market. Uh, but they gave folks what they wanted and how they wanted it and uh, offered a better product. And um, we all love Wendy's, don't we? Yes, but it's not the same since Dave has passed. And that's another thing. Excellence, just because you have excellence once, don't mean you'll always have excellence unless you continue to pursue excellence and do what you need to do. Another way to make excellence a way of life is to study the competition. Uh, now, I know a lot of people don't like the word competition when we're talking about ministry, uh, but really you could just reword that to say, uh, what are others doing that is considered excellent? And anything that you hear that somebody's doing a great job in, uh, you need to find out what it is. Sam Walton said that he spent more time in Kmart's than he ever spent in a Walmart. Dave Thomas, talking about him, uh, has been a student of McDonald's and Burger King as long as he was alive. Uh, and I think it's important that uh, in your own city, uh, as well as the region and nation, uh, visit churches that are considered hot, happening, or cutting edge, and just know, benchmark, find out what are they doing that is considered great, and uh, find that out. And then uh, if you see anything you like, use a little selective creativity. I'm highly selective whose ideas I rip off. And uh, so, again, uh, those are some things that will help you uh, in making excellence a way of life. Another thing, and this is something you do a good bit of, Yancey, is promote, promote, promote. Uh, you have to be an innovator. You have to be creative. You have to tell your story in a lot of different ways. And if you don't tell your story, uh, no one else is. You have to learn how to self-promote. Now, uh, you know, you don't want to do it to the place where you make people sick, uh, but you need to let folks know, here's what we have to offer, and here's why our church and our ministry is uh, can help you. Uh, involve others in that fact. Get some, uh, create uh, some, some families that are excited about your church uh, to not just wear, put T-shirts on their kids that advertise your ministry, but at the same time, bumper stickers and all kind of ways to just let your town know that we are a place that love kids and um, uh, we'd love to love yours. And so involve others to help you tell the story. Focus on the product, not the price or cost. A lot of times people constantly uh, talk about how much something costs or how how. Uh, much something doesn't cost very much, how affordable it is. But, you know, really the important thing is to focus on the product. The best thing is what it will do for you, uh, you know, not um, just the price and all that. I'm, I'm amazed, Yancey, is, uh, you know, you're putting together this Christmas tour and you still have some open dates uh, for that. And uh, you've got a couple of different ways that you can do that. You've got a couple of different packages and things that you're offering. But it's amazing to me when folks are wanting something for family and they don't want all this hard work with their kids and putting on a musical and all the weeks involved in that, but they want a quality program for families. And I've told them 
about what you're doing with the Have a Fancy Yancey Christmas Tour. And, uh, you know, the first thing out of their mouth, rather than say, you know, you know, oh, tell me about it. Tell me about what's all going to be involved. And, uh, you know, they don't even ask, is there a part where kids can sing along with Yancey? And yes, there is. And are there's, uh, you know, familiar songs that folks can sing along and you're doing stuff for all ages. They don't ask about the product. One of the first questions they ask is, just how much is it going to cost? And uh, I think the important thing is uh, uh, the main thing has to be the main thing, and that's quality ministry, uh, not just focusing on those prices. Also, another thing is to create word-of-mouth advertising and get people to talk about uh, what's going on for you. And the old viral marketing. Viral marketing. There you go. All right. Uh, last but not least, another way to make excellence a way of life is to keep changing, growing, and improving. And, uh, you know, I believe with all my heart that um, it's essential for excellence uh, to constantly keep changing. Same actions bring same results. And, uh, again, uh, you've got to be changing. You've got to be growing uh, the minute I get through with one activity, I start looking, how can we change it? How can we make it better? We start next year's file. And again, pursuing excellence uh, is has to become a way of life. And excellence is never an accident. It's something that you aim at with all of your heart. And, uh, you know, there's two different things that come along with excellence. You can't have excellence without efficiency. And you can't have excellence without effectiveness. Now, efficiency is doing things right. And everybody needs things done right. Uh, effectiveness is doing right things. Uh, but when you put those two together, this is how you get excellence. It's doing right things right. And everybody wins when excellence is a way of life. Yancey, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, one of my favorite quotes um, that I like to use when I'm I'm teaching worship workshops and stuff is something that is the anointing doesn't make up for a lack of preparation, but I think in this particular topping case we can also switch out that word preparation for excellence, and that is the anointing doesn't make up for a lack of excellence, and I think lots of times people like to just say, well, you know, I'm doing this for Jesus. And just kind of put this covering blanket on it and pray over it and, you know, pray that God will use it. And not to say that he can't use some situations that aren't full of excellence. But I think when we have our hearts in the right place, but are also doing everything we possibly can and truly doing things to the best of our ability, doing things, maximizing the resources that we have available and, you know, having our classrooms be clean, teaching our volunteers and workers to to be friendly and to greet families and to greet kids, you know, like it's the best day of their whole week. Um, I because think it is. Because it is. I think that when we have excellence, then God blesses that and enriches it even more, and it becomes even more um, relevant. Um, and, and becomes an even bigger blessing to your community because you're doing it first rate. Well, when we serve a most excellent God, He deserves excellence because 
That's what he is. And so uh, I hope that these things have been an encouragement to you. I hope you'll go back and study uh, the stuff about Jethro and then give yourself a test. And you see what all the character traits and all the different things that were a part of Mr. Excellent's life. And uh, you need to look at that and see if they are a part of yours as well. Now, Yancey, if uh, folks wanted to book you for Christmas, uh, how would they do that? They can do that by going to my website and going to the contact page. And What's that website? That website is yanceynotnancy.com. And it's all new, isn't it? It is. It's all new and Christmassy looking since that's the theme of my life right now is the wonderful Christmas season celebrating the greatest gift ever. Um, and so you can go to the contact page and look on booking and there's a lady named Jan Smith and her email address and phone number is there and you can contact her there at Behind the Voice Agency. And you have a couple of different packages. and Yeah, there's a couple of different options of with the band or without a band um, to do a, a wonderful family event for your church. And, you know, just another fun tidbit, since you brought up Sesame Street earlier um, this evening and, and your little tidbit, in the good old American Airlines American Way magazine a few months ago, because it was Sesame Street's uh, anniversary this year, as well as Woodstock and a bunch of other things. It was a big year. Um, All of those have been a part of your childhood. Uh, yes, on, on many different levels. So this was the big anniversary year. Um, but Sesame Street, they said one of their things that they set out at the very beginning, and they later proved it with you know actual scientific studies and whatnot, is that they believed that kids would learn better when their parents are right there with them laughing and enjoying and learning right alongside them, which is why in Sesame Street there's stuff for the kids, but there's also humor and part of why they have stars on there is to appeal to that parent and that adult audience. And in this world that we live in that is all about family ministry these days. Are we talking orange? Well, we are a little bit. And I just thought, well, check that out. That was Sesame Street's because objective two- and, and statement of faith, so to speak. When they first so two started, influences working together is better than one. I love it. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks for listening uh, to the Club Leadership Podcast with Jim Weidman. To continue the conversation online, go to kidmancoach.com and click on the club group. For more information about Jim, his blog, books, and resources, as well as his infused coaching program, go to jimweidman.com. At Jim Weidman Ministries, We're committed to building strong leaders.